Hi, I'm Melissa and welcome to the Mummy Warriors podcast where we can normalize the conversation of motherhood and delve into issues that are quite often swept under the rug. Join me every single Tuesday for a brand new episode with a brand new topic. This is a mummy's club you want to be a part of. Hi and welcome back to the Mummy Warriors podcast. I'm your host Melissa and today I'm joined by Jennifer who is a mum of nine and also has a family blog called ADHD in the Family. Jennifer, I would like to welcome you to the Mummy Warriors podcast and I would love you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. My name is Jennifer. Um, I am a mum of nine and uh, I run the ADHD in the Family um, social media accounts, website, that kind of thing. Um, it's, uh, our family introducing ourselves, telling a little bit about what it's like having a large, not only a large family, but multiple members who have ADHD, depression, anxiety, um, and a chronic illness as well. And I want to know what made you start bringing awareness to your family? What inspired you to start blogging? Well, it was my husband and I were just talking around one night. Um, we're always talking about the funny things and sometimes crazy things that happen in a household like this. Um, you're going to have a lot of amusing things with a large family. But when you add so many different issues on top of it, so many different quirky personalities in there, right. um, we, at the very least, we found it very amusing. But, um, and our families always thought it was funny. So we're like, you know what? Why not? Why not um, share some of the, the crazy things that we deal with yeah. on a daily basis with everybody out there? And at the same time, we wanted to be able to raise awareness about ADHD and mm-hmm. chronic illness and uh, depression and, and anxiety and the different issues that our family was was living with as a part of our regular everyday life. What is your thoughts on the misconceptions that are are around in regards to ADHD, depression and anxiety? What misconceptions do you yourself think there are out there? Well, one of the very first things, the, the image people usually get in their head um, when they're thinking about ADHD is usually a young boy um, who is bouncing off the walls. Um, and then they think of medication. Those mm-hmm. are the two main things that people think about when they, um, the two main stereotypes when it comes to ADHD um, that, that people have in their head. Um, and one of the things that we, we've always liked to address is that ADHD isn't, um, it isn't confined just to, to males. Um, females also have ADHD. They are less likely to be diagnosed. They're less likely to receive treatment because um, it's just not something that somebody looks for as much in in females as they do as as in males. And also the way that it typically um, presents itself. Um, Again, the stereotypical thought is that uh, it's a young boy bouncing off the walls, but Mm -hmm. that actually often isn't the case. Many times um, those who um, live with ADHD also um, actually have intense concentration skills. And the main problem with that is that um, they concentrate on one thing. So they're um, not, it's not actually a lack of attention. It's a massive amount, a massive focus on one topic right? and a hard time moving on to other topics. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's, one of the things that uh, people tend to to misunderstand or one of the myths about ADHD is that it's a lot of energy and a lack of focus when in a, in a lot of cases it's the exact opposite 
Yeah. It's a lot of focus, but a, a lack of um, the skills needed to help you move on to other subjects, to other topics. Right. Um, with depression, one of the big myths for depression, I would think, would be that it's all in your head. And uh, in that it's caused by an outside source or something along those lines. Right. And, uh, and depression is a really complex issue. Um, it's got psychological, it's got biological, it's got um, sometimes economic and emotional benefits, the reasons behind it, not benefits, but reasons behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's not just one thing. Almost everybody has had a bout of depression. They've had a reason to be sad, a reason. And usually it's just sadness. It's something that they learn to cope with and they move on. And But it can move on to short-term depression. Long-term depression has um, several issues um, behind it and several causes for it. Um, it's not just in your head. Um, for long-term depression, it usually is, it has a biological basis. It's a, a hormone imbalance, a chemical imbalance, but it also has outside issues as well. In the terms of the misconception of how depression is perceived, because usually I guess it's linked to like something traumatic happened and then you get depression and not everyone is in that same basket of what triggers their depression or what triggers their anxiety. I guess in your case, you'll be in a family setting where not everybody has depression. Some family members do have depression, but they've all gone through sort of this, had the same sort of, they've coped with life differently, but they've just had a similar, obviously, upbringing because they're in the same home. I know that you've touched upon as well that in your family, your partner has a chronic illness, an adult ADHD. Explain to our listeners what that looks like and how you dealt with that. Uh, My partner does have a a chronic illness. He's been living with chronic Lyme disease for almost 20 years now. Um, At the beginning, it was fatigue. Um, for him, it was fatigue. It was, um, you know, we had a lot of stuff going on. He had just left the military. He was going to school, um, changes, moves, all, um, new children, all kinds of things. So, so we wrote it off. We ignored it, didn't really think about it. But that fatigue began to get worse and worse and worse. And um, eventually got to the point where my husband was almost completely bed bound. And he spent, I'm going to say three years, at least three to five years, um, almost completely bed bound. We were fortunate they had a job where he could work distance um, and he was able to um, have the inner, at least the energy, or at least in his case, not necessarily the energy, but the resolve to um, force his way through a work day. But that, that was it. That is all, that is all mm-hmm. he had for. But, um, so extremely addict, of course, for him. But um, as a caregiver, that's... Um, And again, that's not something that people talk very often is that um, for caregivers, the rates of anxiety and depression, that kind of thing are actually much higher than your your typical population, because not only are we watching a family member go through something that is um, so emotionally and physically draining, something that is so hard on them. um, So we have to watch that knowing that there's very little that we can do on their behalf, but we also have to do everything else so that meant that um, finding doctors for him driving him to and from appointments because it got to the point where he couldn't drive um in our case oh by the time he was finally diagnosed we had seven children and then our then our eighth and um and so i was caring for um eight children by myself i was essentially a single parent 
yeah. while caring for somebody with a, um, a serious medical need and, uh, and it's huge physical, mental, emotional drain. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's worth it. Caregivers will always say it's worth it, but it's very, it's very, very hard. Yeah, because I guess at that point, like you've got to be emotionally present. You've got to yeah. be hands on. Um, obviously you've got a large amount of kids so you know kids always need something being emotionally present all the time because you had so much to to handle is quite a lot I I could imagine but you managed to get through it um was that also another reason that inspired you to sort of blog about that aspect of your life as well because I could imagine it's quite a um a, a deep subject to speak about much less to sort of open a little window for for people to see what's going on in your home. Right. Well, it ADHD in the family started out mostly just the it was the family in general. Um, but uh, as usually happens with somebody with a chronic illness, they they only have so much. Now it's um, those uh, it's usually referred to as spoons. You know mm-hmm. that it's this spoon re- represents this amount of energy, this amount of you know, and a different amount of energy. And uh, depending on the illness and depending on the day, somebody may have 10 spoons. I have five spoons that I can devote to work for the day. I have three spoons I can devote to the children. I've got two spoons and that's enough to feed and clothe me, you know, for me to, to feed myself, bathe myself and clothe. And that's it. And that's all they have. Mm-hmm. So it quickly came to the point where I took it over, where I was doing the majority of running ADHD in the family. And, uh, and overall, I keep it light. Um, with educational information, but every now and then, I mean, I, I realized that, you know what, I have a platform here where it's um, easier for me to be able to, to share a little bit deeper about myself. Um, when it's one-on-one, I prefer, I, I'm, I can be a pretty quiet person, but um, in something like that, something like social media allowed me to be able to connect with people in a way that doesn't have them right in my face so I was able to so it did start branching out from there it wasn't just funny things about the kids or anything like that anymore it was a a opportunity for me to explore these different issues that um were were so dear to me but um also so deeply felt that it's not something that I was comfortable doing one-on-one with other people and social media just in the blog allowed me to have that opportunity yeah and I guess the blessing about having social media is that you get to connect with people who have been through or are going through similar things and you can converse about their experience and you can share about your experience so I think that's one of the positives about having a blog I guess and social media is connecting with different people who have been on the same path and journey that you essentially are. Another thing that I also wouldn't find quite interesting is what awareness would you like to highlight living in a home with family members who have anxiety? Um, Well, one of the things I'd like to know is that anxiety really comes in so many different forms. Uh, For my husband, um, I can see he's more of an external. So when he is having a a severe anxiety attack, I can see physically the changes. Um, I'll see a a leg shaking. I will see a leg that he's, he's bouncing up and down. I mean, mm-hmm. I've had situations where we, as a family, have been in the car, we're about to go somewhere, and I see that leg moving, and I'll know that it's time to stop, reevaluate the situation, and see if he is capable of continuing forward. If not, then I'll, I'll give him permission. I'll be like, it's okay. If you need, if this is too much for you, if this is 
uh, too much of an emotional burden right now. We can handle this on our own. You can go back inside. I mean, it's it's one of those things that uh, um, he actually truly needed me to be able to say, it's okay. It's yeah. okay to put this portion of your mental health ahead of what we have planned right now. Um, for some of my children, it is far more internalized. Um, and it, there's, for at least one of them, there are no physical cues to yeah. watch for. Um, she's a, um, this particular child is a very easygoing person. Um, you, you would not think that they had a temper, that they're ever upset about anything, but they're also one of the ones that have the, the deepest um, anxiety issues in our household. Wow. Um, and that's because they internalize it. Um, and so one of the things that really matters for our family is, is open communication, um, very clear open communication about the issues that each of us deal with, because that's the only way we would have known that some of our children are having problems. Um, if we didn't, if they didn't, if we weren't open about what their father goes through, um, then they would not have been comfortable coming to us about what they were going through as well. So, um, so I would say that's one of the things for people to look for your, for anxiety is not necessarily a panic attack in public. It's not necessarily, it can be, it absolutely can be, but they are different signs and symptoms and they can be very individualized to the person. And, and again, I, it's not one hat fits all. Um, because just by what you said, it's like two different spectrums where you can see when your husband's feeling anxiety and when he's starting to be triggered by anxious feelings and then you've got on the other spectrum the internalized anxiety as well both obviously are the two extreme cases of anxiety just dealt with differently and I think it's so important to highlight that because I think that what we the narrative we're seeing now is that anxiety comes under one umbrella and everybody think feels and goes through the same thing and that's obviously absolutely not the case at all there's it's different it shows up in different ways um, which I think is definitely an amazing thing to highlight. What are the misconceptions slash stereotypes you face having such a large family? Well, we, we do get side eyes. So um, <laughs> there there's always a side eye. If I'm with several of the children by myself in public, I've been asked so many times, or do they all have the same dad? I'm like, yes, yes, they do all have the same dad. <laughs> So I've been married to the same person for a very long time. So yes. But how rude is that question though? It is. It really is. Um, But you know what? There are times when we like to have fun with it. Um, uh, Many years ago, one of my sisters, one of my siblings um, had moved to our state and was staying with us while she found her own home. And uh, she had, what, four children at the time. And I was uh, pregnant with number six pregnant with number six. So we had between the two of us, we had nine kids and we showed up at our local elementary school for, for, you know, back to school night, getting ready for the new, new school day. So it was my husband and these nine children. And I'm obviously very pregnant and he's got two females on either side of him. <laughs> who were also obviously siblings were obviously related. Right. And then we actually got questioned about it. And I'm like, um, we also identify as uh, as LDS as Mormon, and so we literally have people asking about it, and we're like, absolutely, we're sister wives. I'm wife number one; she's <laughs> wife number two. <laughs> so we take turns having him in the bedroom. We each have our own separate rooms, and you know, we just had fun with it because <laughs> how rude can you possibly be to ask exactly. somebody questions? Exactly. Like this? 
So, um, so we, we have fun with it, but, um, but yeah, that is probably the number one question I get is if they all have the same parents. I just think that's uh, so rude. So rude. So Um, rude. Now I cannot say that anymore because our oldest daughter is actually, um, we now have guardianship from her. She began as our foster daughter and we now have full guardianship. Um, so I can no longer say that. Mm-hmm. all of my children had the same biological <laughs> parents but in her case both of her biological parents are someone else right <laughs> is having a big family something that you always wanted or did you initially maybe want one or two <laughs> I actually came from a large family um, I'm a twin sister I have one elder brother and then I have um, five younger siblings so I did come from a family with eight kids so for me it was it was always the plan Mm -hmm. Um, I always wanted to have a a large family. Um, Now, my numbers were a little less than reasonable before I began having kids. It was like, (laughs) my mom had eight. There were 10 of us all together. You know what? I'm going to go for a dozen. And then I started (laughs) having children. And I'm like, nope, nope. I know my numbers. Eight is it. That's where we're going. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually wanted four boys in a row. And then I wanted four girls. And that's exactly what I ended up having. So it was. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So oh, wow. uh, it was, it was very exciting. My husband, um, last, uh, two, three of our kids, we didn't have, um, anything beyond, um, we, we didn't find out the gender because I'm like, no, that's what this one is. He's like, you've been right this many times so far. I'm not mm-hmm. going to question this anymore. <laughs> I mean, after my fourth son, I got rid of all my boy clothes. I got rid of everything along those lines. I'm like, no, I'm ready for the girls. And that's, so that I never thought <laughs> <laughs> right. I never bought another toddler or infant boy outfit. Everything was girls from then on. And I was very fortunate. I never needed it. So yeah. Yeah. Well, how lucky you four boys and four <laughs> girls. How lucky yeah. do you get? And um, our foster daughter fortunately has just slid right in. She's just a couple months younger than our fourth son. So it was perfect age wise. They just yeah stones all the way down. Yeah, definitely. And then I'm assuming soon the grandkids are going to come so we can make the family even bigger. Well, hopefully not anytime soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my oldest is uh, 23. Um, he just barely, um, my older two are both military. My oldest two are both in the military. Um, one is Navy on the East Coast and one is Marine Corps on the West Coast. Um, the oldest is my, my Marine um, and he's 23. He does have a serious girlfriend. But, um, but they're planning on her finishing college and, um, and waiting until he gets to the end of his current, um, his current um, time in the military before he decides whether or not he's going to re-up and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. so when she's graduated and, uh, and he's decided whether or not he'll continue in the Marine Corps and make it a career, then they'll, they'll make decisions from there. But, um, and my youngest is seven, so I'm not really in this huge... I'm not in a huge rush for this next stage. Yes. <laughs> so so th- I guess your kids are all quite close in ages. So they all have like a best friend within each other, within the group of they each other. They are about two years apart. Um, some of them are a little more, some of them are a little less. Uh, number three and four are um, actually 18 months apart, which is uh, uh, considerably that that's actually we, we had them the month we were planning on trying. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good bit closer than we expected. Um, but, you know, sometimes babies come when babies want to come, no matter what mom and dad are doing. Exactly. But, um, but uh, the majority of them are between two and three years apart. And that, that seemed to be a pretty good 
spacing yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah. I think you're so lucky. I mean, I've got Christmas must be amazing at your house and Christmas your best friend. Yeah, yeah, and then they got friends within each other, so they've always got someone to talk to. So I think that's a really good thing. And then you've embraced a foster child, which is even better. Um, that your heart could open to even allow someone else in your home and give them the family that they they obviously would need you know tell our listeners a little bit about your blog and where they can find you well the majority of my work is on social media I do a little bit on TikTok the majority is on Instagram and Facebook um, I do occasionally have uh, on the the website itself um, where adhdandthefamily.com um, but the majority of what of my content is going to be on Instagram and on Facebook and, uh, and my, my handle is the same. It's ADHD in the family, mm-hmm. but, um, and that can range from everything from just, uh, informational posts or just fun pics of the, of the family, um, to videos or, or something along those lines. But, um, but yeah, the majority of, like I said, my content's on Instagram and Facebook. Amazing. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today and really highlighting important issues, especially surrounding such serious subjects like ADHD, depression, anxiety, and almost as well like normalizing the topic. So it's not something that people feel that they have to shy away from. Um, and giving us a little background into your family and what you go through. And I just think it's amazing that you've been so open and given enough to give us an insight on your day-to-day so thank you once again for joining us today thank you for having me I really appreciate it I appreciate the the chance to chat with you and and uh and introduce my family and, and who we are and really what we're doing and like you said it's a it's a really important issue it's one that um um has been stigmatized in the past and we really want it out there in the open um the more information people have the more help is available for them if they need it Exactly. So, so, yeah, but, um, that's that was that's been one of the biggest things is is struggling to find these resources. As my children have gotten older, I'm like, okay, what am I looking at? Where am I going to find this? How am I going to get the help that they need? And uh, and hopefully, hopefully, something something will spark with yeah. somebody out there, yeah. and uh, and it'll help them out as they continue on their path as well. I'm sure it has as well. As I said, the most powerful thing about social media is being able to connect with other people that are going through the same thing and normalizing these serious topics as well. Thank you for listening in to this week's episode. Feel free to leave a comment, like and share this episode. If you want a chance to be a guest on the show, all you have to do is send me a DM on my Instagram, which is at the mummy warriors. See you next week.